0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Jeremiah 29, 4-14. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourself and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you, and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. For this is what the Lord says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, once again, peace be with you. And um, I pray that the Lord will meet you uh, wherever you are this morning, uh, however this week has been for you in a powerful and meaningful way. And I pray that he's already done that. My heart is already filled with such uh, wonderful songs and with uh, uh, such hope-filled songs reminding us of, of where our hope is, and that is in Jesus. Let's pray and we'll dive in. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness to us. I pray, Father God, that even in the midst of uncertain times that we as your church and your people, that we can find our comfort and hope in you. I pray, Father God, that you will allow us to live in step with your Holy Spirit and that you will give us the strength to persevere. Father, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And the matchless, marvelous, Wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Well, today we are going to continue our series called This Incredible Opportunity. This Incredible Opportunity. And last week was week one of our series, and last week we looked at the opportunity to lament. And in essence, we looked at how God uh, wants to use our our pain and our our times of, of hardship Uh, to allow us to go deeper in him so that we would build trust. He wants to turn our pain to to praise as we process our pain, not apart from him, him, but in him. And this morning, we want to look at uh, the, the second opportunity that the Lord has given us, which is this opportunity to seize the moment to seize the moment and to get out of this moment, everything that God intends for us to get out of it. In the midst of this pandemic, and in the midst of this disorientation, God wants us to reorient our hearts and our eyes upon him. If I had to summarize this sermon in a sentence, it would be this, God sends the people he loves into wilderness experiences in order to test them, refine them, and to recalibrate their hearts. And that's God's invitation to us today is to see this pandemic, to see this slowing down of life, to see this disorientation as God's invitation for us to be refined and to recalibrate our heart on him. All throughout the scriptures, we see that God oftentimes will call his people into a wilderness, call his people into exile. We see this from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. We see this in the life of Abram. We see this in in the life of Moses, in the life of David. And even in the life of Jesus, that sometimes God uh, pushes us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's uh, uh, as a result of our, our sin and rebellion, and other times it's because God is preparing us for what is to come. But God often sends his people in the wilderness. And my dream for our church, my dream for the churches in our city, my dream for the global church is that as this pandemic is, is hitting, that we will see this as an incredible opportunity to draw near to Jesus, to find our rest in him. And that those who do not know Jesus will be able to look at the majority of Christians due this time and, and realize that there is something different about these people who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And today's big takeaway for us as sojourn midtown, as, as gritty disciples, is for us to embrace this moment and to root our identity as Christ exiles so that we would glorify God. That is, gritty disciples embrace the moment and their identity as Christ exiles for the glory of God. And what we see today in today's text in Jeremiah chapter 29, we know that Jeremiah has been prophesying to the children of Israel judgment over and over. He has said that God will punish them uh, with the sword through famine and captivity if they did not turn and away from their idols, away from their sin and to trust in him. And in the year 586 B.C. all the way to 6007 B.C., we see that Israel is laid under siege. And the Babylonians come back in waves in order to take God's people away from that land into this mighty land of Babylon. The Babylonians swooped down and they attacked Jerusalem. They ended up killing many and carrying off their best and their brightest. And now God has a word for Israel as they are away from Jerusalem in captivity. And Jeremiah's message has now changed. It has changed from a message of judgment to a message of grace and a message of hope. And in essence, Jeremiah's message in Jeremiah chapter 29 is settling. Get comfortable, comfortable because God is going to have you in this place for around 70 years. Now, we ought to understand even before we dive in to understand how to seize this opportunity of this moment is that God has sent Israel into exile and he has brought judgment on them as a means of discipline because he loved them. When you read the book of Jeremiah, you just have so many incredible verses. Go home and read Jeremiah chapter 24, read Jeremiah chapter 30, read Jeremiah chapter 31. You see some of the most beautiful pictures of God's love for his people and God pursuing his people in all of the scriptures. And God has led his people into exile, into captivity, because their hearts wandered away from him. And he wants them to have abundant life. He wants them to have joy. He wants them to have peace. And like a good father, he disciplined his children because he loved them in order to reorient their hearts. And so let me make this clear. Before we dive into these four things that we need to do to seize this opportunity, I don't want you to hear do more. I don't want you to walk away from this sermon a uh, uh, feeling of that 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 you have to just meet this standard moralistically during this time. What I hope you will hear is that your loving Father is pursuing you in this season of your wilderness. That the their loving Father is pursuing His church in this wilderness, and His desire is to have your whole heart. In Jeremiah chapter. 31 verse 33, we see one of the most important prophecies in all of the scriptures as Jeremiah is going to prophesize about this, this new covenant that he's going to make with his, uh, uh, with God's going to make with his people. And listen to what Jeremiah says in verse 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, after the days of restoration. The Lord's declaration, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so God is going to make a promise through Jeremiah to his people that he is going to give his people a new heart that he is going to give his people a, a new covenant, that he is going to write his teachings upon their heart through his spirit. And as the church, those who are in Christ Jesus, we have received this covenant with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have received a new heart. And God wants us to constantly, even in the midst of disorientation, reorient our heart to him, set our affections on him. Remember that he has saved us. And that we belong to him. Again, gritty disciples, they embrace the moment by remembering their identity as exiles. And let me be clear, under no circumstances am I saying that this COVID-19 epidemic is a result of of Christ's church uh, uh, rebelling against him. Uh, God is doing a million different things through this pandemic. Uh, I cannot draw a one-to-one correlation and say that the reason that this is happening is because God is necessarily disciplining his church. Though, in some ways, this is always a reality. God is always disciplining us because he loves us. But what I can say with uh, assurance is that that God wants us as his church to use this time in a way that honors him and that glorifies him and here are four ways in which we can do that according to Jeremiah 29. The first way is by by being present. By being present. The second way is by fulfilling our purpose. The third way is by cultivating hearts of prayer and the fourth way is by trusting the promises and the plan of God. First, by being present, again, Israel is in Babylon. They are in a Gentile nation, a nation that is is very broken. In the words of St. Augustine, it is a a nation that represents the city of man. It it represents sin. Throughout the Bible, we see that Babylon represents uh, Satan's kingdom. And so God's holy people, these these Hebrews, these uh, Jewish people are now in Gentile territory and they are being treated as, as slaves. They are being treated as those who are less than. And the message that Jeremiah comes with while they are in the midst of, of slavery, while they are in the midst of having their freedom taken from them is essentially: stop grumbling, stop complaining, stop scheming, and start building, start marrying. Start multiplying. Start setting your mind on being a grandparent and live for the good of your city. Look at what he says in verse four. He, he tells them to build houses and to live in them, to plant gardens and to eat produce, to find wives for yourselves, have sons and daughters. I mean, could you imagine being a Jewish person hearing Jeremiah preach this? Make your home in Babylon. Stop obsessing about Jerusalem. This is home for you for a while and see that this city benefits from your presence. In essence, Jeremiah was telling Israel to stop living as tourists and to start living as pilgrims. He was telling Israel that God had a plan for them even where they they were. You know, as we have been talking and preaching about this this theme of gritty discipleships back in our our vision series, I talked about the difference between a, a person, a Christian who's living as a tourist and a difference of a person living as a pilgrim. And I invited our church to unpack our bags, And I use an illustration about a a time in my life where God told me to unpack my bags when I moved to Louisville and how I had set my mind on going back to Chicago and how I was running myself uh, crazy and kind of using Louisville to get to where I thought God wanted me to be. And how the Lord gave me a prophetic message uh, through a a, a woman who mentored me in college to, to get comfortable, unpack my bags. God wanted to use me right where I was and how that absolutely altered and changed my life. And for those of you who want to hear more about that story right now in the live stream, um, a link is going to be provided of a a small short talk or TED talk that I gave at a a leader summit about unpacking your bags. But essentially, God is inviting us to all unpack our bags and be present where he has us. And for, for all of us right now, that means unpacking our bags in our home. That means taking advantage of what God has put around us. That means paying attention to our our roommates. That means having fun with our our children. That means pursuing our our spouse, using this time in a, a redeeming way. And I think that the Lord has a prophetic word for someone here today. Who has been planning and living in the future, who's a part of of Sojourn Midtown, but who has not completely uh, uh, planted themselves in community and in our our mission because you're you're living for a future city. You're living for a future job. Perhaps God wants to slow you down so that he can bring you to a place of, of surrender. Plant yourself in a local church. Clench yourself and submit under the pastors that the Lord has called to pastor you. You know, it's funny, in chapter 28, the children of Israel was listening to a man by the name of Hananiah who was selling a false dream and prophesying uh, falsely. Hananiah came preaching to them and saying that in two years, Israel, you will be free. And in two years, Israel, God is going to deliver you from Babylon. And Jeremiah essentially in chapter 28 says, stop listening to Hananiah. He is lying to you. In fact, proof of him lying to you is, is going to be seen in the fact that God is about to kill him. And Hananiah, a short time later, ends up dead. One of the ways in which we, we plant ourselves and embrace this opportunity is by making sure we are being pastored by, by the people that the Lord has called to under-shepherd us. And even more than that, making sure that we are being pastored by Jesus, not, uh, not, not TV personalities, not, not people who have something for political gain. Second, the way we embrace and seize this opportunity is by fulfilling the purpose of our mission. And, 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 and God is giving us an invitation as the church to slow down and to remember why God has saved us. He has saved us. He has called us out of the darkness so that we can pursue the well-being of our city, so that we can be salt, so that we can be light, so that we can cultivate beauty, so that we can live on mission before other people. And so I want you to take this opportunity to, to ask yourself, how have I been doing? Before COVID-19 hit, how have I been doing and living out my identity as a sent one? How have I been doing as pursuing people who don't know Jesus and, and helping them to know that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me? How am I doing in living out the truth of the Bible in every area of my life? Am I living in a way that compromises my integrity and my credibility and my influence? Am I taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given me? Am I cultivating a heart of gratitude or am I living a life of entitlement? God wants to do heart surgery on us to get us to a place of living on mission for him. And just as Jeremiah was calling the children of Israel to, to live for the good of their city, he's calling us to. And, and I don't want you to hear me say that, that he is only calling us to live for the good of our city after COVID-19 strikes or is over. No, God is calling us to live for the good of our city now. And I'm pleased that our church has been on the move and has been working to be missional over these last two weeks, even in the midst of shutdown. And I want to share with you some of the ways in which members of our church, uh, led by uh, our our ministry leaders, have, have come together to make sure that we're living on mission. And so in the last couple of weeks, we've seen... Uh, members of our church create a a resource page under the the leadership of of Christy Ivey and and Pastor Nathan in our our SENT uh, ministry. Uh, They've uh, created a page to to help our our people to navigate the season. Uh, They have provided everything from unemployment assistance to food assistance to to spiritual growth resources. They've created a a survey and a, a care team that comes uh, alongside people who are hurting, and that helps identify members of our church um, who want to step in and who are able to step in to reach this need. By God's grace, uh, members of our church have uh, have created a fund that has been established to relieve people who are in in financial need within our church and within our neighborhood. A supply pantry as well as to help provide temporary housing and child care options um, who, to people who need it. There's been weekly outreach in Shelby Park, the neighborhood in which we are as a church. Um, this has been an intentional outreach. They've uh, provided a, a hotline. Door-to-door services in which they last week walked and canvassed our neighborhood. Over 800 people received a package of M&Ms as well as a small greeting from our church, letting people know to reach out if they find themselves in a dire situation. Today, uh, uh, this Sunday, we're going to have a group of people in the neighborhood go through and just prayer walk, of course, doing so while keeping social just distance, as well as following up with people with another flyer to let them know. Uh, last week, we had our, our tutoring team deliver pizzas and snacks to, to 11 families, and they provided a, a resource guide to those families. I was just floored as I heard about uh, members of our church uh, going a, a couple blocks up off Oak Street and, and, and meeting a, a couple of families who was in need as an abandoned house or empty house was set on fire due to arsenic. And so God has given us opportunities, even in the midst of this pandemic, to serve and to pursue people around us. And and I want to invite you to slow down to do that, but also to use this time to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart, as well as to to search the way in which you live your life, your patterns, so that once this pandemic is over, you have a a plan, a, a simple plan to love your neighbor as yourself better than you did before. Third, the way we seize this opportunity is by cultivating a prayerful heart. It is by cultivating a a prayerful heart. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, Jeremiah writes, pray to the Lord on its behalf, speaking of the city behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. For when it thrives, you will thrive. Now again, imagine being a Jewish person hearing Jeremiah uh, say these words. This is the only place that I know of in the Old Testament where God tells Israel to pray for their enemies. Israel was accustomed, we see through the Psalms, for praying hard prayers towards their enemies, but but God is saying, no, you pray for the well-being of this city. In Psalm 122, verse 6 to 9, we see the, the psalmist writing these words. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. This is a prayer that the Jewish people would have been used to praying for their city, Jerusalem. And in essence, Jeremiah is saying, don't uh, simply just pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Babylon. Pray for the city of man. Pray uh, that it will flourish. And I want to invite you during this time to seize the opportunity by cultivating a heart of prayer. What would it look like if you kind of took these themes from Psalm 122 and you prayed regularly for the city of Louisville, regularly for your neighbors, regularly for those who don't know Jesus? In Psalm 122, we see four ways in which to pray. One is to pray for the economy of the city. Verse six, the psalmist writes, may all who love this city prosper. Pray for the economy of the city, especially now. Pray for the safety of the city. Verse 7, peace within your walls. Pray that there would be safety. Pray for the safety of medical workers. Pray for the safety of those on the front lines. Pray that that violence would not increase, but that it would decrease during this time. Pray for the politicians and leaders of your city. We see this in verse 7. The psalmist says, pray for prosperity in your palaces. And those who was most prosperous and who lived in palaces were, were kings and governors. Pray for those who lead you. Fourth, pray for the people of your city. In verse 8, the psalmist says, pray for, for family and friends. What does it look like for us to seek the well-being of Louisville in the midst of this pandemic and for us to come back to our, our vision and our call to be gritty disciple makers, to be those who, who live with a resiliency on mission by cultivating a heart of prayer. A good friend of mine, John Stark, wrote a, a powerful book that I just dived into called The Possibility of Prayer. I highly recommend this book. My favorite book on prayer is a book by the uh, author by the name of Paul Miller called This uh, A Praying Life. And even though I'm not done with this book, this book has already become a favorite of mine. Well, in this book, John writes about a, a star that um, exploded over 1,000 years ago that's called the Crab uh, Nebula. The Crab Nebula is, uh, first became visible in 1054. And if you see the star through a telescope, it, it looks like a little ring. And if you stare at it with earnest stillness, you will, will not see any movement in this star. In fact, uh, photographs taken from 15 years ago And then taken, uh, even this year, show no distance or difference in the star. And yet, this star is expanding at the rate of 70 million miles a day. And it's been doing that for over a millennial. Think about this. We live in a universe where something that has increased in size by over a billion miles wide over a 15-year period goes unnoticed, John says. And he writes, who is this God of exploding stars and what have we to do with him? Who is this God of exploding stars and what have we to do with them? In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, Jeremiah, this this God of exploding stars, calls his people to, to cultivate a heart of prayer. He writes, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And just as Jeremiah said that to the children of Israel while they were in exile in Babylon, God is saying that to us pilgrims. Those who have not made this earth our home, those who are, have their citizenship in heaven, God is saying, call to me, pray to me, and I will hear you. Pray to me if you're sad. Pray to me if you're broken. Pray to me if you find yourself hopeless. Pray to this God of exploding stars, this God of a galaxy that is over a trillion miles and he says, and I will listen to you. Fourth, we seize this opportunity by trusting the promises and the plan of God. Look at your text. Verse eight, for this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, don't let your prophets who are among you and your Diviners deceive you and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise according to you and restore you to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declarations. Plans for your well-being, not for your disaster. To give you a future and a hope. The way in which we seize this opportunity a way in which we embrace our identity as exiles is by finally trusting in the promises and the plan of God. Now, this is a popular verse. Oftentimes, when we think of this verse, we think of a picture like this, All right? This, this verse gives us the warm feelings uh, on the inside. And as I said last week with the book of Lamentations, chapter three, uh, this verse was not proclaimed to the people of God while they were on a trip to Disney World or whatever this is supposed to be a picture of. This verse was given while they were in exile and while Jerusalem looked like this. And today, God is speaking to his people. And he is making a declaration to you in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of dashed dreams, in the midst of exhaustion, in the midst of financial crisis, in the, in the midst of crushed questions, God is saying, listen, I know the plans that I have for you, a future and a hope he has for you. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Jamal, when God said that, I mean, technically, that was a, that was a promise to Israel. That wasn't a promise to the church, Right. And that was a promise to a people. That wasn't a promise to a particular person, right? And yes, while the context here is Israel in exile to the Babylonians, the the Bible tells us, Paul tells us as he wrote to the Corinthians, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. That in Christ Jesus, the church, the new covenant people of God, we can claim this as a promise. In fact, read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 essentially says this and more. God's promise for Christ's bride is a future and a hope. God's promise for Christ's bride is a well-being and not disaster. God's promise for Christ's bride is the abundant life. God's promise for Christ's bride is, is, is waters of living uh, of water. God's promise for Christ's bride is that he will heal, he will deliver. And in the same way, I want you to hear that personally. That even though it may seem like you are headed towards disaster, God has your well-being in mind. And even if things fall apart on this side of heaven, you have the brightest future imaginable. And as a church, I want to remind us of Christ's promise that the gates of hell will never prevail against us. And that the church throughout the centuries has responded to conflict, has responded to to bad seasons, has responded to to loss, has responded when, when, when it looked like everything was over and down, has responded in a way that reminds the world That God is on the move and his plans will not be thwarted. And how do I know this? How do I know that the Lord will provide for his church and that the Lord will keep us as we seek to live as gritty disciple makers in our city? I know this because verse four and verse nine, because the Lord is the Lord of the armies. What What a phrase that God reveals himself to. The Lord of the armies It's as if he's telling Israel, listen, you were taken in captivity, not because I was weak. I'm the God of all armies. I'm the God who has a a legion of angels. I was able to keep you from this. The Lord of the armies is able to deliver us. The second we know this because Jesus took on the greatest pandemic the world has ever known and will ever known, and that is the pandemic of death. And he defeated death by rising in the, on the third day with all power in his hand. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead empowers us to follow after his pattern and to live for his glory. And every Sunday... When we gather together, we take a a, a meal together that reminds us of God's love for us, that reminds us in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of pain, uh, that, that everything is going to be all right. It's a meal called communion. Now, we're not going to take communion together as a family today, but I'm going to rehearse the liturgy. And as I rehearse the liturgy, I want us to all pray and long for the Sunday morning that is to come where we will take it together. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. Christian, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Here at Sojourner, we take a piece of bread, we dip it in wine or juice. The wine is marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. And we do this week in and week out to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness and to remind ourselves of the fact that Jesus sees the opportunity. He sees the opportunity in the midst of death, in the midst of threats, in the midst of fear. He took it all upon himself so that we could have eternal life. Forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I beg you to seize this opportunity to turn from your sins, to run to Jesus as your Savior. And to have eternal life. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com slash Midtown.